Well, we're live. I believe we're live here. Episode 13 of Turn Back the Clock. Adam from Splendid Sports joined, as always, by Dylan from Double D Vintage Baseball Cards. How's it going, Dylan? Good, man. Uh, stoked to be here and talk about some baseball cards. I, I Going live, this is sick. This this was a little impromptu live. I you know about an hour or two before you know we were gonna do this, but I said, hey man, you want to just do it live? I don't I don't know why. I just felt like I don't I don't know how many people actually even joined the live here because it was uh, it's kind of getting late on the a lot of parts of the country. So, uh, but we just figured we'll do it live. Um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a couple different topics tonight. Um, you know, one is one being uh, rarity in sports cards, and. Uh, they, they kind of all these questions that we'll pose kind of go together. It's a, sort of on the same theme uh, as far as like types of types of collecting ways you can collect. Um, people do it differently. You know, some people collect only low pop rare cards uh, or manufactured rare cards uh, that are modern. Some people collect, you know, obscure vintage cards. Some people like the mass appeal cards that are more common, uh, that that are more iconic. Um, so we're going to talk about our thoughts and opinions, what we do. And um, I wanted to actually, before we get started, Dylan, do, uh, do you want to show like a pickup or two before we get into any of that? Yeah. And, and I, have, I have a couple pickups and a pickup that kind of relates to what we're talking tonight as well, which is kind of cool. Right. Um, I, first one's not related at all. I just, an, it's a downgrade upgrade. And I have been hunting for this card for a year now. It's on my watch, my want list. And it finally one came across and, and it's just about, you know, perfectly centered, you know, maybe not perfectly, nothing's really perfectly centered, but very well centered Eddie Murray rookie cup, rookie card. Um, I have this in a seven and my seven's really far off centered. So I got this six, really inexpensive. I don't know, thirty-five bucks or forty bucks or something. I, I, it was no one else bid on the card, and I'm like, yeah, dude, that thing's cherry. So really stoked, got that bad boy, and now I can sell my seven that I don't, I don't have, like to look at on my wall anymore. And then I also got another card here. I've got, I've been collecting Angels cards and of certain players, and this Ooh. is the Albert Pujols. 2021 Beauty. gold wave refractor. I had another gold wave um, that you guys saw recently and I really liked the way it looked and me and the golds love them. And this one's number to 50. And what's cool about this card is this card cost. Um, I, I think it was like $39 or to $50. I can't remember exactly, but it's relevant for tonight's topic because I just purchased another one. Once I find a card that I like, there's not too many that he's in the angels that I really like. Um, so I found this one and then I go on the hunt for the other variations. So I found another one that was a, a, a PSA 10 and it was numbered to 99 and it was the green version. And I bought that one for the same price, give or take $5 um, as this one and it's a 10. So it's kind of fun to think like, which one is more rare? Is it the 10 that's numbered to 99 because the grade makes it more rare? Or is this one more rare because there's only 50 of these that exist and it's not the highest grade of them? So it's just a, a fun thought process for us to go through these, like what's more rare? I'm sure there's some math you can do and like multiply this and that and all these equations and go through all the pop reports of every company that's created these. But, you know, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so really cool card. And now I, I, I have like four of these now and a couple of them are ungraded, um, different versions. So really going after these. And then I got one more really big pickup. And you guys know I wasn't supposed to pick anything up to the national. I said that on my channel. But, you know, <laughs> hey, when you're a card addict, you're a card addict. And yeah. I held out for quite a while. I was like 11 days in or something. And then once I broke the seal, I was like, oh my gosh, back on. I got this sicko card. And this is an autograph, uh, Ernie Banks. And talk about a rare pop report card. I think there's only one or two graded as a seven, none higher. And I think by PSA as well. Um, you you don't need to quote, you know, don't quote me on that. Do your own research. I was trying to do it earlier in a, in a I just got sidetracked and I did it before and I forgot, but it's sick autograph right here. And me and the bull, 
ballpoint pens. I love the ballpoint pen autographs. I know not everyone's a fan of those, but to me, it to me, he probably signed this back in the day because you don't sign. No one signs on with ballpoint pen anymore for probably the last 10, 15 years. So I consider this an old school autograph, whether it is or not. I, there's, I guess there's probably no way to tell, but the card itself is incredible. It's a P it's a, it's a SGC seven and autograph eight, um, uh, autograph grade. I have no idea. It looks like a perfect autograph to me. It's in a really cool spot right over, right over his wiener. Uh, <laughs> just, I just think it's really cool. And, and the cards gloriously centered and I just sold this year my Ernie Banks all-star card because it was really off-centered. And this one just cherry. And this was $180 I won in an auction. Um, I think That's in a it? seven, yeah, I think in a seven, this card would go for a little over a hundred anyways. And never, these things never come perfectly centered. So this thing came up and I go, yeah, I, I think I bid like 250 something and I got it 180. So whatever, whether that's a good deal or not. I mean, I think it's stunning. And for my collection, I'm an Ernie Banks, like super freak fan. So it's Ooh. perfect for my collection. Man, that thing is, wow. Uh, I gotta, I gotta take a moment to soak that one in <laughs> An autographed Ernie Banks. First of all, that's like my favorite subset of all time. Those you know, those 58 all-star cards. And an auto, I like how, yeah, like you said, the autograph doesn't, some of the, like them, they, they like stand out so much that it almost detracts from the card. Um, but the autograph's a little more subtle in there in ballpoint pen. Like, man, that's perfect. And, and the thing, you usually don't see autograph cards that are like so nicely centered vintage cards and look that nice because people usually use the beaters to get signed, you know? Dude, I thought I I thought when I bid on this, I thought it was gonna go for like four hundred bucks because I thought yeah. maybe Natty C would be like hunt on there. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, I'm getting that card. It was like ending at a weird time. Since I live in Hawaii, all the auctions I mainly watch don't end in normal times when I'm going on the card shop, you know. And dude, I didn't even notice the autograph at first. What caught my eye was how perfectly centered and beautiful the card was. Then I noticed the autograph, and I was like, dude, that is sick. It's a treasure for my collection. Absolutely never getting rid of that card. Yo, there's well, my pickup. Before I show a couple quick pickups here, uh, I just want to shout out to Mookie Chilson, League Leaders, Sexton's Kentucky Cardboard, A Collector's Dream, The Card Story, and who else we got? Yeah, there we go. That's that's it for now. But, man, um, I was surprised anybody was able to pop in here. It's getting late. <laughs> I know. I, you know I'm like, I'm in my own world over here. I never get to join anything in New York. Is it's like six hours difference for yeah. most people on YouTube. And I'm like, dude, I, I'm sorry, guys. And I work on the weekends, so I'm like, a, a, no one even thinks I'm on YouTube anymore. Probably. <laughs> there's a there's an important basketball game going on right now. The finals. Um, the Nuggets are getting close to closing them out. So maybe a lot of people are up late watching that game too. So. Oh yeah, probably. All right. Well. Not me. I got <laughs> I got a couple red pickups here I want to show. All right. All right. Uh, let me pull up solo here. Did you all right, say so red? Red pickups? Red pickups. You'll all understand right. shortly here. All right. Uh, so I got this one here. This is Tom Brady's first heritage card, 2002 Tops Heritage. He has two in the set. And uh, I had the other one. I needed this one. And uh, I think it goes nicely in that PSA uh, label there. That's so, a sick one. And is that yeah. a 59 Tops bat, uh, football? remake card i know it's a i think it's the 50s the design yeah. you know what i i should honestly i i should know that uh, i forget in the chat i'm sure sure somebody knows what year is this uh vintage football set off of yeah because uh, yeah. i have a i have a hank aaron and uh mike trout card looks just like that that's a yep. sick card yeah i just it's just i mean again it's you know it's an it's a good card because it's obviously from the first brady heritage set that he was in and uh but yeah it's it's just awesome looking card it's it kind of mixes that vintage with the the modern, which I like, you know. Um, so that one, and then uh, the other one. This this one, this funny one. I saw one of your recent videos where you got a an amazing gift from uh, Adam Vintage Sanctuary, uh, and I had bought one of these. I think probably a little before that. I just received it though from from PWCC. I got a. I always wanted one of these. A Red Man, fifty two Red Man, uh, Pee Wee Reese. And I just love the it's a it's a PSA three, but the colors are just man. Look at these colors. Dude, that thing one. is sick. Always wanted we, one of these. Uh, and this one was 
at a great price in a PWCC auction. Why so, did you pay? What did you pay for that one? It, I'd have to look, but it was like uh, 80 bucks, 70 bucks, 60 bucks. I was going to say, like I was thinking it'd probably be under 100 bucks. And I yeah. mean, how insane is that, right? A Pee Wee Reese. Uh, I mean, like that is spectacular. It's got the tab on the bottom. So, sick. yep. That yeah, it's just one of, again, I, I, one of the sets that I had no cards from, and I, I just wanted to have a card from this set here. So, yeah. this one met the, again, looks great in the PSA label there with the color match. I, I know some people laugh at that, but I actually, that's something I actually consider uh, for what grading company I want to buy the card in. Dude, right. hey, uh, hey, Matt's on, yeah? What's is, that? Is Matt T, uh, T8, uh, uh, is yeah. it, the card is story? That, yeah, is it the card story or THA? I can't remember. THA, card story, Matt, yeah. Okay, I have a gift from him on my desk right now. And I want to open that thing. I, I I think I should just open it right now. Absolutely. Go okay. for it, man. I'm going to grab it right now. Do you have another pickup to show? Yeah, I could show. I got another card here I can show. Okay. Um, show the card. I want to see the card. And then I'm going to open this up right now. I mean, I've been burning. It's right. been burning a hole in my, on my desk. Well, I figured, because one of the things we're going to talk about tonight is um, – there's, for me, I'm seeing a big difference in um, people or the, the the cards in basketball, football versus baseball. As far as, you know, everyone's probably hearing it, how prices are declining uh, across the board pretty much. But there is a huge discrepancy in, in basketball cards and football cards versus baseball cards as far as like over the last year. Like baseball is down like 15 percent as an index, you know, in, in card ladder. But football and basketball are down like 45% as, as an index. So um, we're going to talk about that, like maybe yeah. why, why there's a difference yes. in that and how people collect different sports. But I figured I'd show this one. This is relevant for tonight. This is a card I picked up uh, not recently, earlier in the year. Um, and this is a uh, 2015 select Nikola Jokic, tough name to pronounce. But um, love this guy, and he, is, he might win the championship tonight. It's in the fourth quarter right now. Uh, but this oh, wow. is a light blue prism rookie card die cut, beautiful die cut, and it's number to one ninety nine. So I picked this one up earlier in the year, and um, a lot of people would probably sell this card right now, but I'm not selling it. I'm going to keep this baby long term. So um, I think it's probably worth a lot more than I paid for it. So. I wanted to show this one tonight. I don't know. Maybe they'll, they might not close it out tonight, but it looks like they were up by about four points when I checked. So just a beautiful card, man. Beautiful rookie card. You know what I love about die cut cards is when you open them in packs because you know you have one in there because they're, they're like, you know, they're missing corners and stuff. And always in like 2004, there's a bunch of die cuts when I was opening boxes and stuff. I love die cuts. They're super sick. And they, they tend to sell for less, you know, which which yeah. is nice. Like if you know your collector, you want to pick a car, a rookie card up. The die cuts sell for usually less money, uh, and they're they're rarer usually. So um, I just you know just not as popular. So uh, you can get a nice die cut for less money than a regular card. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's exciting. You got a little story to tell too if they win. Yeah, it makes the card extra special. Yeah, I, I just love watching the guy play. I think he's just a great team player. So. Um, we definitely wanted to have a. I got two cards now in, in the collection, and uh, this one's probably my my favorite of his. So, what do we got? What do we got? All right, dude, let's open it up, dude. Tyrus is in the chat too. Okay. So I was gonna do this on my show, but why not just do it right now? And and uh, Matt and Tyrus are here, so you guys, I mean, out there who are watching this, not live, which is pretty much everybody because <laughs> it's yeah. late. Um, Matt and Tyrus, THA card story. We'll tag them. Dude, they're awesome father-son channel. Really fun to watch. And Tyrus is hilarious. Like, when he's on there with his dad, he, like, tackles him and just, like, laughs about things. And he's into Pokemon. And I I really enjoy seeing the Pokemon cards that he gets and the things that he's into. So they sent me a gift here. I have no idea what it is. And he's been sending them out to a bunch of guys and the Goonies in the outfield. We have a text thread going. And I, I, I had no idea. And he said something was on the way. Um, I have something coming back to you guys, just so you guys know, um, some cool stuff. So um, I'm, I'm excited. And 
And I'm, I'm, this is perfectly perfect fitting since you guys are in there. So I'm going to rip it open. See what we got. All right. And while you're doing that, I think I jinxed the Nuggets. They're down Now they're down. According oh, to Mookie. Man, that, Mookie that, Chilson that, said they're down by, uh, or there's two minutes left and the Heat just went ahead. I always do that, man. I jinx teams. I'll tell you. Dude, you got to sell that card now. <laughs> yeah. Guys, who wants it? No. Oh, man. What here we, we go. Here. What do we got? Oh, such good packing job. Woo-wee. This is sick. The painter's tape. So perfect. Gosh. Well, hopefully I don't hopefully it doesn't get all uh you know, I don't get allergies this time. <laughs> I'm really, really fired up to see what, what's going on in here. Oh, this is sick right here. Dude, no way. That is sick. Dude, I have a different version of this on my wall. This rookie cup Mike Trout number 250. Woo. Can't if my eyes were better. A 2021. Dude, I was just looking at this card. I not this exact one. Oh man, gosh. I have another version of this. This is must be like the SP version. This is so sick. That is great. I mean, this goes so good in my collection, the rookie cup Oh my god, the 1964 tops design, gold number to 50. Thank you guys. That's that is special right there. I'm gonna send this in. I'm gonna get it graded, and this is going in my collection for life right here. Oh my god! It's already man. It's all ready to be graded. It's already in the the uh, card saver. It's ready to go. Wow! Thank you guys. This is awesome. Yeah, the image variation. Dude, you nailed it. That is insane. Hold on. I'm going to be right back. It's right here. I got the other one in here. I was just, I was literally just looking at it. Nuggets oh, up my. one. Nuggets up one. Okay. Then hopefully they'll come. Oh, yeah. This is live, so we can cruise. Um. Oh, my gosh. Dude, Matt, Tyrus. That's pretty sick. That's really, really sick. Oh, my gosh. Where is it? I want to put it side by side. Oh, there it is. Look at that. Oh, man. Dude, that is sick. I mean, you guys knocked it out of the park. Grand slam right there. <laughs> that is so cool. I got the ghetto version and the improved version. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Really, really spectacular gift. This community is just outrageous. Did, did you have any clue that like when you jumped on YouTube that it would that would it was like this? No, no. <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea. I still I just that was on my not I mean the national with the national coming up, I'm probably gonna have I'm probably gonna be balling like a school bo schoolboy <laughs> when I see everybody like it's gonna mean so much to me being in this hobby by myself for you know decades on decades on decades and now in it with fellow people who think like me it, it's just awesome oh yeah thank you guys that is great thank you thank you thank you matt and Ooh. tyrus are you got you guys uh, are they going to the national do, do yeah you know? they yeah okay, cool yeah i think tyrus is going too yeah yeah matt tyrus going too i think so so that'll Love be it. sick all right well let's right, jam yeah. into it man i can't right, look at so... this for the next two hours but <laughs> keep it aside keep it in my mind so all right so uh, let me let me start with this. Um, I had uh, let me pull this up real quick. So this was this is uh, let's see we get that card ladder. So I have I have card ladder here. I wanted to show. Uh, one sec. There we go. All right. So real quick, just um, I I wanted to get your opinion on this too, Dylan, and I'll give you mine. But I think because I think it goes with what we the topic that we wanted to talk about. So basically, over the last year. I mean, obviously, you know, the economy plays a huge role in in sports cards prices. Right. So everything's pretty much down almost everything. Um, but if you look here, like car ladder has these indexes, baseball, the baseball index. And that's a mix of modern, ultra modern vintage. So it's a it's, it's you know, baseball as a whole throughout history. And okay. there, that's down 16 percent over the last year, which, as you can see, is, you know, actually better than than most of these. But basketball and football are down 45% over the last year. And that's, that's even if you go back two years, 
I mean, you're talking another 45%. So it's like they are just cratering basketball and football cards as a, as a whole, you know, as an index. So what do you, what is your opinion on as far as, do you think? Well, is that, is there, I noticed on there, I noticed on there is soccer down that much as well. Yep. And, Uh, um, and like AFC fighting or I can just imagine those other ones being down that much too. Yeah, UFC. Yeah, UFC 50%. fighting. And then what's that other 50? Yeah, what's that one? Soccer, racing, uh, yes. golf, ultramoderns down 50, 50%. Ultramodern ten- tennis is down 73%. <laughs> I mean, look, it to me, it, I, I'm going to sound I'm gonna sound arrogant, but I'm not trying to be. It was so obvious during the pandemic that that stuff was just out of control. I would go to my local card shows over here in Hawaii. And like I said, there's like seven tables. There was like seven tables back then. And five of them were basketball, football, um, weird um, UFC stuff, ultra modern, all that stuff. And it was like a stock exchange. Guys were just hustling and just like so fired up. It was a really cool atmosphere. People were just frothing, just building it up. And, and me, I'm like, I was at the vintage tables, no one around, like with my buddy, my old my old two buddies. And we're just talking. I'd walk around and talk to everybody. But it was, it was just a froth. It was just a buildup. And everyone was like, everyone thinks that basketball is going to catch up to baseball cards. Football is going to catch up to baseball cards soccer is the next big thing everyone wants the next big thing just like investing in stocks i I hate to say those analogies because they're two different things but in all reality everything's an investment in some sort of fashion even marrying your wife is an investment in time and your heart and emotions everything's an investment it's everything is um so when i was watching that i was just fascinated seeing these guys buy these cards and i knew they were just and it's and obviously the overprinting thing had to do with it but to me it was more of just the froth and the hype and the the i don't want to miss out and and if you're if you've been in the hobby long enough you know not to chase those things um you just don't get involved in that you just go after what you what you really believe in and what you really love what you love to collect and and during that time i was buying vintage cards and no one was touching them i bet you if you looked at the pandemic and in the middle of the pandemic when all those basketball cards were shooting up and all the ultra modern even baseball ultra modern everything was shooting up but basketball in particular was massive over here um the vintage hadn't moved yet no none of it not even the higher end not even the the mantles and the hank aaron they hadn't caught up yet then at the end of the pandemic is when that's the last like three or four months of the big pushing cards that's when that vintage stuff finally took off but it wasn't all of it and it was only a small amount so when i see those down 50 percent, look i mean i bet you it's really overweighted with the fact that you had ten thousand of the same card being graded so that probably leverages the index a lot where uh, and, and then you got michael jordan's cards going to the moon that probably pulled down the whole market a whole bunch i bet you if you really dove into it and you went into after a certain rare certain cards i bet you they're not down as drastic as some but i mean either way it looked really obvious to a guy who's been collecting cards my entire life never taking a break it was super obvious what was going to happen and what was going on so it may sound cocky but i wasn't like I wasn't betting against it, so I wasn't a short selling it. I was just like fascinated with the whole thing, and I loved it because everyone was getting into collecting again, and it was great for great for the hobby. Well, I, I think you and I—I I know we both agree, and and most people do that I talk to and know in the hobby that there's no right way to collect. There's no, you know, you could collect however you want, um, but for me, again, I'm, I'm just one guy making observations. But it seems to me that. Um, broadly speaking, there's always going to be, um, you know, exclusions and people that say, oh, that's not how I do it. But I would say broadly speaking, number one, there's way more baseball collectors even now 
people that collect baseball cards. I don't know what the numbers are, but it sure seems to me that there's a large number of baseball card collectors as opposed to basketball and football still. Um, now I collect all three sports. So I, you know, I'm not biased. I, I love, I love all the cards. I collect football, basketball, and, and baseball, but baseball has just such a long history um, compared to basketball and football in, in, in cards that um, I think that has a large part to do with it. And who knows, like maybe football and, and, and basketball will get there someday as time goes on. But to me, it seems like broadly speaking, the people that I see that that collect uh, basketball and football, they collect a little differently than a lot of the people that collect baseball. Meaning um, I, I see most of the people that collect basketball and football that I see now, they're they're only going after like serial numbered, low pop, rare cards. They they're they won't even look at a base card. They want nothing to do with base cards, modern or even like vintage or or you know 90s era. They want the they want the stuff other people don't have, right? Everyone's chasing like, I want a card that no one has. I want a card that you don't see a lot. Whereas that some of that goes on in baseball, obviously, but I think there's a lot more baseball collectors that love base cards. Um, you know, whether it be a Mickey Mantle base card from the '60s or uh, a Ken Griffey Jr. base card from the from the '80s, '89 or '90s, um, I don't see as much of that with basketball and football. So I don't know if that that might be a part of it, where there's just not enough people that collect basketball and football heavily still to keep, to keep that market up. Like baseball has been able, baseball has such a, a more uh, secure foundation of collectors. I feel like that that's probably a big part of why baseball has held up better than basketball and football throughout this decline in prices. So again, no, there's no right or wrong way to collect, but it just seems like, you know, all right. So here's an, here's the next question I wanted to pose. Is there a natural evolution? Now, you probably you are maybe in a not in this group, right? Because you still you love you don't care what the pops are on a lot of these vintage cards, right? You just if you love a card, you want a nice copy of it. You don't care how many other people have it. You if, if anything, you seem like you're more attracted to those cards that are more iconic and you've seen a lot. Uh, whereas, you know, you get a lot of the other collectors that I see now that are on the up, other end of that. They only want the cards that you never see. Um, because I don't know if they feel like it's a better investment or they just like to collect those more. I'm not sure. But is there a natural evolution with many people where you start collecting and you collect base cards and then you move on to, you know, you get more and more um, uh, maybe obscure, but also like more rare cards. You start to see cards because you look at some of the guys on YouTube, you know, that we follow John Mangini, Blue Jacket 66, guys who have been collecting a long, long, long time. I feel like maybe I'm wrong on this, but they, they are now more motivated. They, they go after the rare stuff, the food and beverage, the obscure, uh, because they've kind of, not that they don't love the base cards anymore, but they've been down that road. Like maybe they're always looking for the next thing. And maybe that's the last step in this. I don't know. <laughs> There's never a last step, but um, let me know. Let me know what you think on that. Uh, as far as like the evolution and maybe some of these people that came in the hobby, they're just like, an expedited evolution. They came in and collected base cards for six months and then they moved on to serial number. Now they're moving on to like only, you know, uh, number to 10. And it seems like they're just like going through it rapidly where a normal collector might do that over a period of like 40 years. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think on that? All right. Well, I love that. I love that question. First, real fast. I want to, want to touch on that last one. I think a lot of people are thinking that, basketball is gonna just because basketball is more popular than baseball or football is more popular than baseball and all the sports and soccer is become more popular baseball is played by more kids in this country than anywhere any other sport i believe and it's an easy sport for everyone to play so to, to keep on that last one it's like Everyone thinks baseball is just dying a slow death. It's not dying a slow death. It's not going anywhere. They are revamping the way the game is played. Um, I have talked to many people who never watched baseball before, and they're pretty excited about watching it this year and genuinely like going, man, it's a better game today and more exciting. So there's my two cents really fast on that. But as far as as a collector, do we – change do we get older go to the more rare stuff um i think that is an individual deal um 
I could totally see myself collecting tops cards for the rest of my life and never buying another tops card. I can totally do that. Am I going to do that? Of course not. I'm going to find other cards randomly here and there. You know, I love the Gaudis. I love like, I love, I just happen to have all my cards out right now. I'm reordering. I love the T206 cards. There, there's, there's something about a hundred year old card. Uh, um, you know, I love that. Love these cards. The T205. Yeah, uh, just real quick. I wanted to read a couple comments. Uh, so Sexton's yeah. Kentucky cardboard. They have no T206. He's talking about baseball, uh, basketball and football. No Gaudi, no tobacco or candy cards. That's the vintage part that makes baseball so strong. Great. That's a great point. Yeah, yep. great point. Absolutely. I mean, there's just – I love these old sets. Um, there, there's, there, there's just something about them as a kid when I was growing up. Um, seeing these was – only in magazines, only on the covers of like that album you see up there, you know, you'd see them randomly. So I'm always going to buy these randomly, but I'm not, I don't see myself like trying to get the entire set of, you know, of the Gaudis and going down that, that rabbit hole. And, and more in particular, going on that path that John Mangini went on and, and is on and, and, rick vintage oddball and going for these you know the black and white cards and the really the strip cards um it's not my thing and will it be one day you know it, it's impossible to tell where my collecting is going to go and a lot of these guys most of these guys have, have been to millions of card shows whereas i stopped going to card shows after you know when i was going to frankincense for like 10 years i wasn't going to the vintage tables i'd walk by them and look at them but I wasn't talking to them, talking to the dealers. I was buying wax at that point. I was buying my vintage cards on eBay and I was just buying tops. And so me maybe going to these card shows and going to the national might change my entire opinion about everything. Seeing these cards in the flesh and holding them, um, looking at them. But I, I kind of see myself, I'm, I'm a really, I'm into colors and like Orlando's on here. I think he's still on here his collection of um those goodwin champions that's a that's a collect those are the cards that to me i i am drawn to and they're not like obscure in my mind i've always known of them they're beautiful artwork um they're not cut out of magazines they were you know to me they were like in packs even though i think they came in I, i'm not really sure but i'm sure they came with tobacco, um, products. Um, but that I could see myself going down that, that path, but I, I really love tops. I love, I could collect tops the rest of my life. I think there, there was just a video that I'm still in the middle of watching that, uh, Drew put on uh, a vintage legacy. And he was at a friend's house that had collected tops cards only his whole life. And he has an entire room of just tops cards. And I paused it because I really wanted to focus and I, and I wasn't able to focus. And the guy only collected tops cards his whole life and the room looks absolutely spectacular. So there is no wrong way to collect, like you said. And I might never go down those weird rabbit holes. I don't need a, a card from every set. I, I just, when I see a card, I don't, I, I just, if I like it, I buy it, <laughs> you know, or if I can't. Well, I mean, it's like, for example, there's a lot of Michael Jordan collectors who, you know, I've heard heard them say it. And this is not all Michael Jordan collectors, but a large portion that I've, that I've heard, they don't even have the 86 Fleer Jordan in, in any grade. Uh, and their reason is because I can always get that. There's too many of them out there. It's too easy of a card to get. There's no challenge, um, you know, and, and they're chasing, you know, the, the inserts that are numbered to 10 or 50 or 100 or, you know, that there's pop sixes of, you know, those are the cards they want of Jordan. There's just a big wave of that going on, which, you know, that's fine. Everyone collects how they want to collect. And it, it's, you know, it, it's obviously a fun chase. But I do think for me, there is something something to be said, especially if you're a pl player collector. For me, I wouldn't feel like my my collection of a player is complete. It, unless if I don't have some of the iconic cards too, right? Like, yeah, I want to have, I want to have, you know, some of these rare cards because it's cool. It's cool to know like, man, that was, that was a card I chased for years and I got it. And, uh, 
it's a card that not every whatever collector has in their collection. But it's also cool. Like if you're a Griffey collector, it's cool to have the 89 upper deck. I know there's a million of them, but that's the way I look at it. I know not everyone does. And actually, I might be in the minority now. I feel like the hobby is so skewed now towards chasing the the rare cards that um, a lot of these a lot of these base cards, even the iconic ones, I think that's a big reason why they're declining big time in price is because people aren't chasing them. You know, people there there is no chase, but they don't they don't want to own them as much as they want to own some of these other cards, even if they're a lot lot less expensive too. So it's just it's just inter interesting to me, and uh, I feel like definitely basketball and football. There's more of that rare chase than there is in in baseball overall. So who knows? Maybe that's some of the some of the equation there as far as why those sports have have really come down big time. And, and you know, look, let's face it, vintage and pre-war, they're holding up baseball big time too, right? Because baseball, modern baseball and ultra modern baseball has taken a big dip too. So um, yeah, it's just those are the things that's interesting. The next thing I want to ask you is um, about pop reports as far as like population reports, uh, as far as like vintage goes versus modern. Um, like one of the, one of the one of the guys you may have heard of, sports card investor. He um he made a he made a big trade right that caused a lot of a lot of chaos. And I know we don't care what anyone does with their money or what they trade. It's just it's all entertainment, right, for us. So, um, but I found it interesting. I, I want to ask you about this. One of his reasons why he wanted to trade his uh, he had a Mickey Mantle rookie and Babe Ruth Gaudis from you know thirty three Gaudis. Um, is that he called them high population vintage, you know, meaning that there's like thousands of those cards out there. One of the things I, I thought to mention here is I think you let me know what you think. I think the population reports for a lot of these vintage cards are way higher than they're, they actually in reality are, you know, how many people have cracked Gaudi roots and tried to resend them in and, and crack mantle rookies trying to get, trying to turn a three into a four or, or crossing over stuff like that. I think the population reports are really inflated in a lot of those iconic vintage cards. So I actually don't think there are as many as people might think on, on if you look at those population reports. But even so, there's such a demand for these cards. There is such a demand that there always be for these cards that, yeah, you, you know, you could trade for a, you know, a pop 10 uh, modern card of, of a guy, but you know, there's just, it's, I don't think it's equivalent. I really don't. I just feel like it's two apples and oranges comparing population of these mantle rookies and stuff and the third point you can go go after this is they're just looking at it like a lot of these people look at it like oh there's um you know there's 300 fives of the mantle rookie right but how many of those fives are centered how many of those fives look good um there, <laughs> the, the amount of let's say there's uh seven thousand gaudy roots like like they said across the four right how many of those actually like are attractive looking cards have good eye appeal for the grade not, I don't think that many, you know, so you, you can't look at it like just a number either, so, but I'll let you go on that too. What do you think? I, you nailed it. I mean, that was the point I was going to make. And that's what I wanted to scream at listening to Jeff's show. Like I, it just hit the concept of the pop report and vintage cards. We all, I mean, if you've been collecting cards, you know, there's millions of, I mean, I don't millions, but. I never looked at the pop reports because I, I know these things are mass produced. Like, I, uh, you know, uh, 59 Clemente, you know, there's lots of 59 Clementes. The whole point is now, you know, before YouTube, I was just collecting the grades. I was just like sevens, but I wasn't collecting sevens because the pop was lower. I was just buying them because they looked pack fresh and I didn't really know better. And I just, buying sevens once youtube came around and then my wife started like getting involved and like dude that thing's so far off center that thing's weird looking and then youtube ingrained it in me and i started and it was it was an influence of a lot of people and it wasn't just one thing and it wasn't just like sold right away but i do realize that centered cards are rare they are not common in almost you know, some are more common than others. You know, you have certain cards that are easier to find centered. And then you have some cards that are really, really hard to find centered. Um, but for the most part, all vintage is really hard to find centered. I mean, across the board. So I think the pop report, when you, if you really broke it down, if you did it off centering, you're talking one in a thousand might probably look really 
really good to the eye. So the pop report to me is just that it's it's not even worth looking at. Um, if you're a high-end collector and you're buying PSA 9s and 10s, you better look at that 9 and make sure it's dead centered if you want that thing to be worth money in the future, in my opinion, because those things could have been trimmed. It could have been anything. So you better have a one that looks really dang good. Um, my opinion is, is that these low grade high IPLs have been preaching it for like a year and a half or a year and like three months now, since I made the transition, they are going to be worth a lot more in the future than the other ones that aren't. You can get a four in like a Clemente or any one of my cards. You can get a, a four in this, you know, for, for the same price, perfectly centered or uncentered. See right now. So look for the ones that are perfect because they're not common. They're so hard to come by. You can look for ages for some cards and you can't find them centered. The 65 Clemente is like impossible. You find that thing centered without a tilt on it. I don't care if the thing's a one. I want to own it. It's impossible. The Reggie Jackson rookie card, find that thing centered. I mean, I buy, I want a hundred of them. I, I love that card. So I'm going to buy all the central I can probably find. I can't find them. I look all the time. I look at every Reggie Jackson that's listed. Now I could, if I had, you know, a hundred thousand dollars and buy a nine, that's perfect. Sure. But that's not the game. That's not where I'm living. I don't have that kind of money, but I think a good looking four perfectly centered is a rare rare card and it is not easy to find so that's where you find the rarity and that's what he wasn't touching on pop reports come on i think he's been using pop reports forever on these modern stuff there's this i the pop reports i just can't stand them you know i just don't, I think he, I don't I think understand he, them that, that and honestly that's the that's the trouble with being like one of those big big youtube influencers like he is where i think when he probably started this whole thing I don't think he thought it would ever get to be where it is as far as like everything he does is scrutinized and like we're doing here. Um, I could just tell, right? Like, I don't know this for a fact, but, but he, he took so much heat for that trade. And again, it's his stuff. He can do whatever he wants, but we're here to, you know, we'll give our opinions. That's what we're part of what we're here for. Um, but the next video, it showed him at a card show and he made a trade for a 56 mantle. Right. Cause I think he was oh, like, yeah. Oh, I, I got to get back on the vintage train. <laughs> yeah. And, but the thing is, he again, he do whatever you want. But my opinion, the, the 56 mantle, he, he went for the eight, right? And it's off centered. <laughs> I saw that too. And I was like, dude, he, does, he doesn't get it yet. You don't get it. Like, yeah. And you know what? That's okay. And, and maybe he doesn't care about centering, but he's an investor. Yeah. It probably would have been a better investment care about it. to go, exactly. oh, go for a better eye appeal. He's just going, he's using the same approach that he uses for modern cards and chasing grades. And uh, yeah. I think, not, I think the best examples to really, iterate the whole off-center stuff it dude if you're a collector you're buying you don't care about the future value of your cards and and most likely any card you're buying that are off-centered fours you're paying like 50 bucks for like a hank aaron to 100 bucks you're not it's not going to go down to 20 dollars ever again i really don't think it ever will but will it go up to 300 or 400 i don't think so based off the ipl so i don't think there's a wrong way to do it but I think there's a right way to do it. And if you want to have your cards be worth more money in the future, you really spend time picking the correct one and you can put your money to work and collect the card instead of just like getting the card just to own it. Get the card that you want to look at on your wall and that will be, in my opinion, will be worth a lot more in the future because people will realize that that card's not common to be centered. Um, and if you're John, so John Wade Boggs fan, you watch his um, top 10 sales on eBay every week or month when he puts them out every month, I think it is. Those things blow my mind. These guys are spending like Jeff $16,000 on a PSA eight. That's not even as good looking as a PSA six or four that's centered. It just is off-centered. And they're just buying them because the grade says it. I think that is a fool's trap, and that's just chasing. And I think that the, the day will come where there'll be a day of reckoning, not to say that those are going to be cut in half or anything, but I think buying cheaper cards, spending uh, $200 instead of uh, $2,000, 
is a better investment because the $200 isn't going to go down. The worst it can go, it goes to zero, you lose 200 can go up to $1,000 because it's such a rare, perfect looking card. So I'm really on that train and I'll ride that thing. I'll ride and die with it. I really, truly believe in it. And I've been in this hobby for a long time. Um, I could be dead wrong and all my centered stuff's worthless, but I just, I don't see it that way. I, I, I have sold, I'm selling all my stuff that I just don't, don't really appreciate anymore on that aspect. So I, I went off on that, but no, I'm just really I, I passionate it, about it. I'm fired up about it. I just find it interesting because, yeah, it just kind of hit me the other day when it was like, you know, I was listening to some other podcasts, YouTube channels and stuff. And um, a lot of, you know, some of it was basketball and football. And it's like, it just hit me how like over and over, I just hear them like, I only want the cards that are, you know, that no one else has, right? Like I want, I, I want cards that no one else has. And Part of me was like, yeah, I get that. I, I have a little of that too. Like, but that not only that. Like, I don't I don't want to only collect that way, like only chase cards that are that no one else has. I kind of like having cards that I feel like I'm now part of a group, right? Like, mm-hmm. hey, I have the 89 upper deck Griffey, or I have the you know, the 56 mantle or whatever, where there's a lot of people who have those cards, and I kind of like that. I kind of like that, you know, it's not it's not a card that only I have, right? That's kind of something lonely about that, right? <laughs> totally. Maybe yeah, not, but sure. yeah, like I don't. It's cool, and then then it's like, you know, I think I like a little of both. I think I like to collect rare stuff. Yes, I I, I get that, but I also I also like to get some of those iconic cards that I don't care how many there are of. I just like like to look at them and think that hey, that's cool. I got one of these, you know. And anyone can get them, but. Yeah. And I think the last point too is on grading, right? So like we talk about real rarity versus, um, you know, manufactured rarity by the the card companies with serial numbered cards and, and parallels and stuff like that. Um, but also, and also by the grading company, by the grading company. Yeah. So that's a manufactured might, rarity as well. The, the Ricky Henderson rookie, right? So there's, there's hundreds of thousands of those, right? I don't even know how many, right? But there's like 28 PSA tens and that card sells for hundred hundred thousand dollars plus that's a perfect example that psa 10 is a rare grade right not the card but the grade um so i get that i do i do some of that i do a lot of that actually um not not as much anymore i'm, I'm getting a little away from that maybe that's part of the influence of every everything i'm watching and, and so forth maybe a little bit of an evolution in me but i still like a nice psa 10 especially if it's a card that's you know mass produced um I do get it. Like I do some of that. I want to, I want to have something a little special maybe. Um, but yeah, not only that, I like, I like to kind of mix it up a little bit. So I don't know that, that I thought it was an interesting topic and, you know, we'll hope we'll have a lot more people that watch this after the live and would be interested to see like, you know, in the comments, um, their thoughts on any of this stuff, how to, how they collect and, um, you know, rarity versus manufactured rarity versus true rarity. I think that's a cool, cool thing to kind of think about, you know, yeah, let's, I mean, I want to make it clear to everyone, like I always have that, like these are always our opinions and especially this episode, because there's no facts, like you, I'm not a mathematician, I can't like go and see like if this card's numbered to 50 and it's a 9 versus a 10 and this and that, I don't know which one's more rare and, and how many centered vintage cards there are. These are all opinions. And I'm willing to share mine. And if you think I'm dead wrong, it's cool. It's fine. I mean, I, I'm open with myself letting that out of the bag and talking about it. And look, I changed my opinion. I was buying sevens and eights blind on the pit for Me a too. decade. That's how I started. Looking, not even looking at the card. Just like I started. I would literally go, all right, what card do I want? All right, I want the, uh, you know, the, the 61 mantle. I would go to eBay and I would type in 61 mantle PSA six. <laughs> lowest price. Lowest, yeah, lowest price. price. That's a, I mean, that's how I started out. And then I wouldn't even go back on eBay for a few months and I'd just pop on when I wanted the next one and buy the best one, the lowest price in the PSA six. Cause that was like, Oh, I could afford PSA sixes for these cars back then. Well, I, you know? I love it because it's given me an opportunity to get rid of a lot of my cards because there's only, a finite number of us that are actually on YouTube and Twitter and Instagram where we are actually connecting with other collectors. I mean, I was in it for 40 years by myself and I'm a huge baseball card collector. And that goes to show 
how little amount of us are on there. We all think we're like influencing, even Jeff, like, are we really influencing anyone? We're only influencing the people that watch our show. There's, there's hundreds of thousands of people at home with giant collections that have no idea any of this talk is going on and don't know any of this. And, and it, it, they just collect their own thing, you know, and just like I did for all those years. So it, it's, it's really fun to like discuss this and to change your opinions and to change your minds because I, I would have just kept buying sevens and eights and maybe one day all the seven and eights are, are like through the roof and I made the worst decision of my life. But when I look at my collection, it's still going to be the best decision I ever made because looking at my wall, they all look like they were supposed to look like when tops originally designed them centered and how they really wanted the card to come out and printed, whether they printed correctly or not. That's how I want my card to look. And that's what my wife has taught me. My wife prints postcards. We sell postcards, we sell stickers, we sell other products and we get a bunch of postcards coming in when she gets them made and when they're off centered, I wish I had some, when they're off centered, we ship them back. Yeah. You know, and they're postcards. So I, and she's a designer. So I really have in my wife has influenced me more than even YouTube, but it was YouTube that brought up that conversation and it made, made her aware of my card collection, even though she saw it every day on my wall, I didn't talk about it. It was just me and my wall. But now that I'm on YouTube, my, I, make she know she knows all about it <laughs> i force it down her throat now <laughs> so it's fun fun stuff man it's, it's fun, fun to talk about this stuff for fun i mean i i do want to say again never i never tell anyone how to collect but i I'll, I'll give my um opinion on as far as like what i've found what the most fun thing for me is finding because i like collecting players I, I like being a player collector finding a player you connect with from different eras too like because like for example i've had so much yeah exactly with mike trout uh i've had so much i mean i spent a lot of time collecting mickey mantle um, going through that vintage era uh, i still do uh larry bird takes me through the 80s and and up to you know up to like 92 for playing years and then obviously uh, you could do tons tons of stuff after their playing years too but if you're just looking at playing years and then I look at uh, Tom Brady takes me all the way from 2000 to basically last year, or this year. Um, and then I just, you know, really got heavy into collecting Pedro Martinez. And now I'm having some fun collecting, you know, some of these 90s inserts, uh, essential credentials, precious metal gems. So some of that like chase of rarity uh, that we're, we're talking about, it is fun. But I would never want to only collect in one of those lanes at this point. I like being well-rounded. I I just feel like it's fun because you get to, you know, cause like I watch other people's channels and um, if they collect, like before I started doing uh, Pedro through the late nineties, I would watch like some of these like nineties inserts channels and I would kind of get jealous. I'd be like, man, I, I, that, that sounds like a lot of fun to learn about the different sets and find out what the chase cards are, or even I collect some of the base cards too, but just, it, it's a great way to learn. Um, but for me, it's like, I got to connect to that player. Like I, I just have to, find a player that I connect with somehow, whether I was a fan of them or just to kind of find a way to make it like something that I really enjoy. And and then through that, you learn about, about all the different cards from the different sets and those errors. So I, it was something I, if, if anyone ever asked my advice on like how to keep it fun um, to try to not just be in one lane, I found like being in multiple lanes and multiple errors is actually pretty fun. And it actually makes you way more knowledgeable overall about the card hobby and not kind of like a one trick pony, um, which I, I like being well-rounded in certain things. And, and it's definitely helped me become, I'm, I'll never be an expert. It's hard to ever be in, in cards, but I've definitely learned a lot through being a player collector in all these different years. So I definitely wanted to throw that out too, because uh, that, that I found like that has been my sweet spot, just having like four players that I just go after that are in different eras. It's fun. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you can't, yeah, I, the player collector thing's new for me. And it's not that I haven't loved players, but I never really dove into it until YouTube. And it is a really fun thing to do. I mean, Matt and Tyrus are like, I think they're the ultimate player collector I've ever seen. <laughs> like, I mean, they're out of control. I mean, Hank Aaron's up the wazoo. It's incredible the stuff they find. It's, it's, it's really, this hobby is an endless 
pit of joy because you can go any route. If you have $100 in your bank account, you could have just as many cards as someone who has $1,000 in their bank account. You can have so much fun with this. You don't need to. You could buy base cards and have the best time of your life. There is no wrong way to do this unless you're only doing it for money. That's the only wrong way. If you're doing it to, to only do it for money, that's the only wrong way. There's always a combo there going or at least just do it for fun. Yeah, I, I, I've said this before, but like there's way better, easier and better ways to make money than cards. <laughs> just buy an Apple stock. Or I never understood that. Like, like when I first started paying attention, like, you know, to YouTube channels, both sports cards early 2021, I was just like, some of these people, I'm like, even now, like then, yeah, they were making money, but I'm just like, long term, because cards is not the way to make money. Like it's a side potential like way down the road, maybe benefit side benefit. But if that's the reason you're doing it, it's like, man, do you know how many other ways you can make money that's way easier and better than cards? <laughs> if, yeah. if you don't like cards, you know, really? Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. If you don't like cards, it just doesn't make any sense. Or just a kind of neutral about it. You know, you don't have a deep interest and in, in love for yeah. sports too. I think, you know, the sport that you're collecting, if you're, if you're collecting baseball cards, you, ideally it'd be nice if you loved baseball too. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> ideally, but yeah. look, I, I mean, I, I could go on the fence on that. I am a huge card collector and I, you don't have to love the sport itself. You know, I love baseball. Now there was a good 10 year run where I didn't even watch baseball. I didn't care, but I still loved baseball cards. Cause and I you love baseball history. Cards. You love the history I, I, of baseball. Yes. But I didn't, when I was younger, it was more, I just, I, I just, and now I love history. The last like 20 years of reading books. I love history, but I, yeah, that's a whole nother podcast. Whole nother no, and that, that is my last, last quick point. I'm, I'll let you go. That's it. We're almost at the hour mark. Um, I, th I had that thought too. Like when I, and I heard all this talk about like, um, you know, cause the, 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 the conversation when it was like, uh, Jeff's trade and high population vintage versus the, it, it can't kind of, it kind of shut, um, like shook out to like, who's are the people that, you know, the people that are going to be around in 20, 30 years, are they going to want Mickey Mantle cards as much? or Babe Ruth cards as they, as they do right now. And that old age old question that you always hear. Right. And it was like, it's honestly, the players kind of just, it's the, it becomes about the cards, right? It's mm -hmm. like the hobby loves Mickey Mantle cards it, and it, it, whether you watch them play or not, or watch Babe Ruth play. Um, it's like, once you get in the hobby, the cards, it's about the cards more than like, did you watch them play? It's like the history of the cards. And that's always going to be the case. Uh, not not all sports fans are going to become card collectors. I think that's completely overblown right now as far as what people are thinking. Like, you know, all these sports fans are going to all of a sudden want to collect cards. I feel like it's not going to be as many as you think. It's just a, it's a hard cross to, to make. Um, so I just think yeah, once you get in the hobby, it really doesn't matter if you watch them play or when they played. It's like they have a history in the hobby, which is the most important thing. Mickey Mantle is known for his card, his 52 cop tops card more than anything else more than anything you ever did uh and that's going to be the same case with with other cards too even cards that are in like the 90s now they're taking on a life of their own more than even the player um so that that, that was a thought i had too but again yeah let's not go well down said. Too many well <laughs> said that makes that makes sense to me the card right. is really important yeah i mean just something about it it's about how important they are in this hobby more so than how important yes. they were or how many people watched them play, you know, in their sport. So agreed. All right. And then last comment here, cards are like life insurance. Let's show this uh, cards uh -huh. are like life insurance. I don't benefit financially from either personally. There you go. The card story. Great. That's totally. Closing on. <laughs> when, when we died, someone else gets the benefits. So really no. doesn't matter anyways. Right. Unless you plan on selling them all one day, you know, but it really doesn't matter. Guys, not, not for sale, us. not for sale let's end it with oh us. did he win or did he lose he won he did it oh sick champion that's great champion. oh that's so cool what a cool story and we we're on and you showed that card sports and card won. investor would would get rid of this Dude. card tomorrow not me tomorrow he's got it gotta sell it the hype's over that guy's missed every hype he's done the wrong thing every single time on the, the hype like dude i mean hey whatever you you know just like in most things like what everyone else is doing, do the opposite and you'll probably be better off.
So that's kind of. I, I think he was getting. He's he's taken too much. Um, he got. Don't be a sheep. with Marshall Fogel too much. I think on yeah. his whole, he only collects PSA eights and above. Uh, type yeah. Thing, you know? uh, yeah. Marshall Fogel got lucky, and had the money. He's a different breed than anyone yeah. else. It's not that hard to buy tens if you have ten million dollars. <laughs> yeah. So, I yeah. I off centered eights and nine. Oh, yeah. All right, guys. This was uh, Dylan, man. I, I always enjoy talking with you, man. I appreciate the time. And uh, guys, thank you. Thank you for the people that were in the live chat. Thank you for the people who will watch and listen to this on YouTube and podcasts in the coming days here. And uh, that's it, guys. Another one in the books. Dylan, I'll talk to you soon, man. Hey, thanks, guys. You Later.